everybody, this is Screaming Jack Novak from Fastest Land Animal. You're listening to Shane Christopher Neal on Industry 45 Podcast. Rock it! Locked and Loaded, the Industry 45 show with host Shane Christopher Neal. Europe, fuck, I wish I was in Europe. I'm in Canada. It's cold as shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Canada's pretty cool. What what city are you in? Uh, just around Niagara Falls. So beautiful Niagara Falls, Ontario, just across the Buffalo border. Well, I am uh, currently in uh, Lake George, New York. So I'm uh, I'm pretty close. I'm about a two and a half hour drive to Montreal, which is one of my favorite cities. Nice. And uh, I'm not as close to Niagara Falls, but man, I just can't. Canada's the best. You guys got excellent hot dogs. You got poutine. You guys figured out. You cracked the code on poutine. I know, right? You figured out how to make fries even better. <laughs> so I'm very impressed with that. You know what I'm impressed with? The fact that I think you look a lot like Michael Sweet. <laughs> Michael Sweet? Yeah, I don't know. I just look at your photos. And... Thank you. <laughs> I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Are you a fan of Striper? Yeah, yeah, sure, man. Uh, uh, any, anything, heavy metal, hair metal. Even if they, they if they love Jesus, I'm all in. You know, you mentioned hair metal, so let me ask you this question: For a hair metal, I'm I'm big in hair metal. I play drums in a Poison tribute band. I must be. Um, so, g- give me an idea of like when you think about hair metal, who's some of your favorite bands? Well, you know, I I, I tread delicately here because I think uh, Motley Crue transcends hair metal. They're not hair metal because they're better than that. They are, they are a force uh, of their own. But uh, uh, my prior band, we had the honor and privilege of touring with them and Alice Cooper for about a year and a half all over North America, including uh, about five or six cities in Canada, um, in arenas all over the place. And it was wonderful. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I don't want hair metal to be like something that's an insult because it's, it's not right. There was some great bands there. Um, I, I draw a, a line back to kiss who is, you know, like, there's the Beatles to me, and then there's Kiss, the two greatest bands that have ever existed. And I think you can draw a line directly from Kiss to Motley Crue, and I mean that as a complete compliment to Motley right. Crue, and I think they would take that as a compliment. Well, that's awesome. That's a good answer. Uh, fastest and you land- know what? And right in the middle of that line is Alice Cooper. Oh, of course. So it makes sense. Gotta love Alice. Yeah. Uh, fastest land animal, uh, Screaming Jack Novak. And first of all, uh, the name, <laughs> where'd you come up with the name? I, I love it. I, when I was sent to me, I was like, Dad, it, that's cool. Fastest land animal. So give me, give me the story behind that first. You know, I've had that name bouncing around the, the back of my empty noggin for like years. And uh, I was in another band uh, called The Cringe. And I never really liked the name The Cringe, but it was it was our name and we were sticking with it. But I always wanted to have this band called Fastest Land Animal, and I needed an excuse to to have that name and have that band. Um, and as it turned out, no one else was dumb enough to come up with that name <laughs> except for me. 
And then we had uh, about three years ago something called uh, a pandemic, and we were all locked in our houses in our homes. We couldn't go anywhere. There were for sure there were no gigs, nothing. I mean, it was we were just trapped at home. And me and the two other friends of mine, brothers, I would call them, in the band, we all had the benefit of having home studios that um, we could record our parts and stay at home. And at that point, and still at this point, I, I'm, I'm a New York uh, East Coast-based guy. Our drummer, Shark Samuels, lives in Texas, and our uh, guitar and bass player um, uh, lives in, uh, in Arizona, but close to the West Coast. And our producer, Don Gilmore, lives in, uh, in California. So we could record all our parts from home and at the end of the day, glue together this, this album. So that was, that was the idea behind the first Fastest Land Animal record. Um, so then we did that and then we you know, released it and we were still stuck at home. And then eventually we were allowed to go back out and we did a little bit of touring. And then we had the opportunity to make a second album. And even though at that point we could all get together and, and meet in the studio and do it the normal way you'd normally do an album where you have a studio for like six, eight weeks, you, you workshop stuff together as a band, you record the album, um, and then it's done. And you're, but we kind of liked this process. It was, it was really easy for us. We could stay at home. We didn't have to worry about travel and hotels and doing all that kind of stuff. We could be with our families work all day, you know, have dinner with our families at night. So we did it again, and and then we came out with East Coast, West Coast, in between. And that's hence the name, because I'm on the East Coast. Um, and Everyone and else our, is all uh, over, right? It makes perfect sense. Everyone else is all over the place, exactly. And the other thing that makes perfect sense is that uh, your wife is a chef, and that's why you want to eat at home, she but is. we won't go there. <laughs> she, will, she will never engage and she she doesn't want to be called a chef she says she's I'm a, a cook? cook yeah i saw that yeah okay chefs have went to fancy schools they have papers they have uh <laughs> i don't know you know fancy chef hats she's a cook but i mean she's a heck of a cook let me tell you and i've been eating that food for over 20 years now and i i, I you know it's the second i get off the phone with you I'm going to be eating some uh, enchilada suizas. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, so let's talk about this record and uh, the songs that are on the record. Actually, before that, let's talk about your influences. I mean, we were kind of joking there with like hair metal and stuff, but but when you listen to your band, you know, very, yeah, like punky, late 70s, early 80s, what did you love about that music yeah. and who were some of your influences? And what I like about it too is that in the late 70s, uh, there wasn't a lot of synthesizers in punk, obviously, in that. And you have incorporated that in the songs, too, which is, it's it's so cool, the sound you guys got. Well, Shane, I appreciate that. You kind of nailed it right in the head. So, yeah, the, uh, I mean, the Ramones, I mean, the, the, the big, the big, big boom, big blast, whatever it is, whatever it is in the universe of music is the Beatles, of course. Right. Because they wrote the, the most, the best, most enduring songs ever. And I think if anyone's in a band and they say they don't like the Beatles, they're probably lying or being cheeky. But um, there's a, you know, and the Ramones, I mean, they kind of changed everything. So 
what happened was in the, you know, mid seventies, um, music got really complicated and it was interesting for me. I would, I'd love putting on an album and having the entire side of an album, which is about 20 minutes, 18 to 20 minutes being one song with movements. And it's almost like a classical piece. And you're listening to people doing, you know, playing guitar parts that you could never even attempt and playing drum parts that are so complicated and all this stuff. And it was really intriguing as a listener. Um, but it was aspirational. It wasn't something that you could do. Then the Ramones came along and other bands like that, like Sex Pistols. And that was the whole, I think the whole idea and the concept behind punk is that whereas before the crowd was the crowd and they were looking up at the stage at the performers and they could never be those performers. Then punk came along and that line was gone. And it was the crowd and the band was the same. And on any given night you were at CBGB's or um, at the mud club and the band on stage could be the people in the crowd and the people in the crowd could be the band on stage. It just depended on the night. So it was really inclusive. And I just love that whole thing. It's like, we're all in this together. Um, So that was a big, uh, important influence on this, on this particular band. And on, I mean, quite frankly, on just my musical life in general. And then there was another band that uh, came along a little later. There was the hardcore scene, started happening when punk got even faster and even more aggressive and even more like gnarly and nasty sounding. Um, and uh, then Husker du came along and they were playing these really fast razor thin production, like almost, almost bad, but in a good way, bad sounding songs, but in this really gnarly, nasty sounding package was this beautiful, were these beautiful pop songs, almost like something you'd hear from like the sixties, you know? So that was a, that was kind of what we were driving for. Let's do every song. It's called fastest land animal. After all, every song needs to be fast. Every song, uh, needs to have a, a, you know, melodic hook that you get to right away, as they say, don't bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> yep. And But it needs to be aggressive and kind of feels like you're getting a little, like, punched in the face in a good way. Well, it's funny because on YouTube, and you do an unplugged version of Take It or Break It, and it's pretty oh, cool yeah. because it's acoustic, but then it's got that kind of punk feel in there too. Uh, speeds up a little bit in different parts of the song. So that's another one. But let's talk about the, the single you have out. So you're talking about punk. And, and the police weren't necessarily punk, although they had some punk elements, and the song Next to right. You. So you covered that song. I watched the police play it, and I listened to your version. So tell me why that song and uh, a little bit about the police and how they influenced you. So that was like, you know, so we're kind of trying to do a through line here historically of, you know, where punk was started and how it, uh, it developed. And then, um, what's really important about that whole through line and the history of it is new wave. So new wave was punk, but then you started adding synthesizers. Right. And, um, so what, you know, we, we were, we had this album, uh, 
pretty much done, but we needed another song to make it the LP length that I love. It's not necessary anymore. People just release singles and they put them out there and it doesn't matter. But I love the, the package of an LP. You know, you have about 40-ish minutes of music. It fits really tidily on two sides of an album. I love the album, which is like huge now again, which is great. Um, I love looking at album artwork and all that. But um, so we needed one more song to finish the album. We had, you know, we occasionally play and often play covers live uh, when we tour and it's fun. I love doing that. I love putting a little spin on someone else's music and the crowd loves it and it's fun, but we never actually recorded, uh, someone else's music. It's always been, uh, my songs. Uh, we never did anything that someone else wrote on an album. And we thought, Hey, you know what? The Beatles, they're like the, the best band ever, right? Their first two albums, half of those songs are covers. All right, so it's cool with them. And then, like, you think of David Bowie, who's another one of my heroes. Like, he would pretty much, on almost all of his albums, he would put a cover song on there. So I'm like, if, if it's okay with Bowie and the Beatles, then uh, you know, okay we can do you. it too. <laughs> it's okay for, for sure, for <laughs> certainly for sure. So then the question is, what do we do? So we were, you know, running through ideas. I, my, my thing was let's do a cover, but not something that's so on the nose, so obvious that people know it's a cover. Like I love the Ramones. I love, I want to be sedated, but that's, you know, that's obviously the, that's right. the Ramones song. Everyone knows that's the Ramones song. Um, so we, you know, we, we ran through like, maybe we do a, a, a Ramon song, maybe do a Misfit song, maybe, you know, I, I want to stick with the punk thing, maybe a Stooges song. And then um, Alphonse uh, Castillo, our bass slash guitar player, a.k.a. Johnny David, he came up with the idea just out of the blue. He said, I got an idea. Let's do Next to You by the Police. It's the first song on their first album. Uh, that first album has a real huge punk. It's almost pre-New Wave, but it's really New Wave, but it's got a real punk energy to it. Sure. The song's really fast. It's really hooky. Um, it's got beautiful things going on, but it sounds like like it's like punching you in the face. Um, and it's not so. It's not like we're doing Roxanne or Every Breath You Take. We're doing an album track, essentially. So not that we're going to fool everyone into thinking we wrote it, but we're kind of fooling everyone into thinking we wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though Sting wrote it, but, uh, so we all agreed like, yeah, let's do that. And then we did, um, we did our own spin on it in that, um, there's no synth synthesizers on the original track. It's just guitar based drums, but I, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a, a collection of a bunch of old, uh, vintage synth synthesizers, which, um, which are really fun to play with. And uh, so normally in this day and age, you would play keyboards and you'd have like a, a program on your computer. It's called a plugin. And you would play a note and um, you look at that note on your screen and you can like move it around. You can tune it. You can put it on a grid and you can make it be perfect. With these old vintage synthesizers, you're, you're now 
creating a sound from things called oscillators, and you have a, a few of them. You can tune them and detune them and create this big, huge, fat, beautiful sound. And uh, and then you can play with other things that you know make it sound even different. So you're creating a sound that doesn't exist and will never exist again other than the day you created it. And then you have to play it. And when you play it, you play it live. And it's on tape, as they say, even though it's on the computer. And you really can't mess around with it after that. So you have to kind of nail the part. And I love the excitement of that. I love that I'm creating on these uh, vintage analog synthesizers the sounds that have never been heard before, will maybe never be heard again. And uh, I replaced uh, the guitar solo on the song with a, a synthesizer solo, which um, I kind of was trying to do what Andy Summers did on the record, but do it on synthesizer. But it was a lot of fun and uh, drove our uh, our producer crazy because he had to like <laughs> make it work. Yeah, you guys are so creative <laughs> in your music, East Coast, West Coast, in between uh, the album, and you're playing. Uh, not that far here, you know, really Detroit, Michigan is not that far. April the 18th, actually at Motor City we Casino are. Hotel. So you have a little tour coming up. I take it. I see. And uh, you're going to play do. down in Florida too, I think. Are you not? Yeah, we're playing. We're playing Disney World. Oh, come on. Are you? Like you? We won the Super Bowl and we get to play <laughs> Disney World. Yeah, we're playing the House of Blues in, uh, in uh, I don't know if it's called Downtown Disney anymore or whatever it's called, but that's that's where we, we will be on the uh, on May. I think it's 5th and 6th. But I, I can't wait to get back to Detroit. We're, you know, Detroit is one of those cities that is really under the radar. But if you go there, oh, my God, you just have the best time. First of all, I did the uh, – I was lucky enough to have done the uh, the tour of, um, of the uh, Motown Studios, which is amazing. If you're in Detroit, you have to do the Motown uh, – you have to do the Motown tour. It, you will not believe – how tiny this house is and how huge the music, you know, it's like all the Motown classics, right, yeah. Marvin Gaye, uh, Smokey, um, the Jackson five, like, it, like, uh, Stevie, like, like how, I, you don't know how they created this music out of this tiny little house, but then you do the tour and you, you, you kind of understand how they did it. And, uh, and Detroit, man, they've got it's such a great food scene. And, uh, and they have Alice Cooper. Love, they love, have Alice Cooper in Detroit. So. <laughs> Hello, Alice Cooper and the MC5, which, yeah. you know, they, they kind of, uh, the, the Velvet Underground and then the MC5 and then the Stooges kind of, they created punk rock. They are the forebearers, the godfathers of punk rock. And uh, it's interesting because I was in New York a few times last year, New York City, and my daughter was with me. She's 22, and I took her to um, CBGB's, which is now a clothing store. <laughs> but, I made her, but I made her walk through and look at all the pictures on the wall, and you can still see some of the memorabilia of, of the bands, right, that you know, played there. I was so. lucky enough, bef before it, you know, John Vervedos owns, owns it now. He, yeah. You know, he's a... High-end um, fashioner. he's... He's a, he's an icon. I, I love that guy. And he really respects, he's from Detroit as well, by the way. And he really understands and respects music and what's going on. And he's kept the spirit of CBGB's alive in that, in that space. But we, my band, my previous band, the cringe, we were lucky enough to have played CBGB's oh, wow. before it, you know, while it was still a club. 
And uh, it's a really funny story. So my mom came to the gig, and my dad too. And uh, CBGB's is known notoriously for having the the most horrific bathroom in the history of bathrooms. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So my mom, you know, we were about to play, and, and she, like, like, sweetly walked up to the bathroom, and there was this big, huge security guy there. And he said to her, this big, scary-looking dude, She's like, I, I'm going to use the bathroom. And he goes, honey, let me let me walk you out the back. There's a restaurant next door. You're going to use that bathroom because you don't want to use this one. And God bless whoever that guy was. He took care of my mama before the kick. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Screaming Jack Novak, <laughs> fastest land animal. By the way, fastest land animal dot band. Uh, you can check them out there as well. Next to you right now, ChinaBear.com. When you look so many miles away Nothing here is gonna make me stay 